Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right. Well, we're continuing on with the people of the King. In the way we're talking about that in Scripture, it talks about once we come into this relationship with Jesus and experience this forgiveness, we actually are brought into His kingdom and we're His beloved child. We're made righteous. We're able to have access to God. And in that spot, we are actually the people of the kingdom. But yet we're on this earth, but we're living under the rule and reign of the kingdom while we're on this earth. And that's what a, the Christian community should look like. And as we've talked about it, a few things that we've you know, talked about is that the people of the king see others as part of themselves and they live with the lens of we and us versus me and I. They, they, they understand that the First, all people are created in God's image and we're connected in that way. We're also, we have, but we have been brought into this thing called the kingdom of God and we are fellow citizens. We're brothers and sisters. We're actually part of one another, just like the body is the part of one another. We are a part of each other and we think through that lens. The people of the king trust the Bible and the Holy Spirit to shape and to guide them. They're people of spirit and in truth where we're always looking for God's truth to come in and, and push out lies and to be able to open ourselves wide to the Holy Spirit. This is what transforms us. This is what guides us. This is what shapes us. The people of the king <clears throat> find freedom and peace and joy because they know that in all circumstances, God's sovereign. So even if the circumstances are very difficult, the people of the king can be in the spot of spot of knowing, being under the rule. We, we, go into, we bring God into those places, and God transforms us in those places of very difficult circumstances. You know, and the other thing about the people of the king, the people of the king share in and experience God in suffering. And this one here we've talked about in a place of that in this world, not God's the author of it, but we have suffering that we face. And Jesus, when he's in the world, he suffered as well. But as he suffered, he, with the, the thing is he shared his suffering in the place of he opened himself up to God in the place of suffering. And so as people of the king, we actually open ourselves up to God and share in the suffering that we experience and experience knowing God in that process. But we also enter into one another's suffering and allow people to come into the places of pain and suffering that we have and we share in it. And then in that spot, we come to actually know God and it develops up in a way that transforms us. And then the second, the last is this, is that uh, we talked about last week. The people of King understand the humility, the power of humility and being a servant. We talked about last week how God is working and God is moving in your life and God is wanting to do all these amazing things. But when we raise ourselves up in pride, it just stops it. Right? When we, 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 we trust in ourselves and raise ourselves up and become above, it stops it. But humility, when we live in humility and we look at others' interests as important as ours and we care for others, it releases what God has for us. And the people can find and come to know Jesus by humility and being a servant. You know, uh, the... Uh, Today we're going to be talking about transformation and transformed lives. And this is one of the coolest things about Christianity. It works. <laughs> it literally transforms you 
it, it causes you to become more and more in the image that God originally had for you, the image that has been distorted by sin. God is a God that transforms us. And so the people of the king understand this thing about transformation. I told this story before, but when I was a new Christian, I wondered, is this really working? <laughs> is this a game? Is this really working? I'm committing my life to Jesus. Is it working? And so I did this thing where I, I recorded a cassette tape and I talked about anything. This is what I feel about life. Here's what I feel about my parents. Here's what I feel about my friends. Here's what I feel about my, my people I'm hanging around with at work. And this is what I feel about God. I would just talk randomly. It's very kind of strange. But, and I'd put a date on it, six, to four, six months later, I'd bring it back out again. And I'd listen to it. And then I would record another message. And every time I would listen to that thing, I would just be so encouraged because I was shocked God was changing me. It was a different, God was transforming me, and I could actually see it. You know, uh, you know last week I talked about uh, my brother, which I always talk about my brother. <laughs> my poor guy. I mean, the guy is used in every illustration. So, uh, you know, he's like, please stop, David. But my brother, the, when he helped lead me to Jesus, I talked about one of the huge parts of that was that he actually became a servant and putting my interests above his own. And this was just shocking to me. I mean, uh, my brother who didn't want to be around me, who made me pay for everything, who would never give me a ride without me paying him for gas or doing something to pay him back, who often looked at me with disgust, all of a sudden now is kind, asked me if I want a ride, and going crazy on being nice to me. And I think, what is this? This is my brother. How did this happen? He became a servant. He became, he'd quit raising himself up. He'd been carrying my interest. And I, I thought, that is actually was really uh, interesting. In fact, I was thinking about this so much, people have asked me about this. I think it's one of the few stories you haven't heard a thousand times. So now you'll have it in the, retro, you know, the, the repeated story list of David Stark. But I found, a, I found a picture of this. And this is my brother, after he became a Christian, he, it didn't stop, right? I thought he might stop. Like, oh, I got you in now. I'll leave you alone now. But no, he actually kept, being someone who cared about me. And my transmission blew out in my car, my Mach 1 Mustang, which I had no money to fix. And my brother took apart a transmission with no tools, and we completely rebuilt the transmission in a garage, and it took a long time. Now, here's the thing about this. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, you know, took Saul and made him Paul, who killed Christians and made him become a follower of Jesus, and my brother rebuilt my transmission for free and didn't charge me anything. Now, here's what's interesting. I experienced the fruit of his transformation, a free transmission, no charge, it was fixed, but really, what really I realized is what I experienced was seeing him transformed gave me hope for me. Like, I can have hope now. If he can do it with my brother, maybe he could do it with me, right? There's this power in seeing transformation, whether it be in yourself or in others. And because we're a part of each other, we get to be a part of each other's transformation. In looking at the old files, I ran across another one. I just couldn't resist bringing it up here. Some of you will know some of these people, all right? Way back way back, down memory lane. 
I believe that's Eric Strom, Kitty, Liz Kramer, Charlie Kramer, Stephen Schulte without the beard, and uh, uh, Brett Kirby, who's part of one of the first person who joined our church after he started church planting, and then Pastor Emily McCall. All right. Emily Etchison, way back, yeah. Now here's the thing is that's like over, I guess, I don't know, over 20 years ago. We were baptizing at the Merrimack River at the time. And I looked at these people and I, I actually am in contact with all of them. In fact, Charlie was here from the East Coast just last week with Kitty and, and he was talking to Craig and I'm watching all this going on. I'm thinking to myself, I've been able... <laughs> to be a part of watching their lives transform. Except Stephen. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just had to say it. No, I, honestly, especially Stephen. <laughs> that doesn't sound good either, does it? All right. But I mean this. And here's the thing about this. I mean, I'm telling you, I looked at this picture and I realized... What had happened over all this time and watching this process of transformation and I just couldn't hardly control myself. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so good. Because here's what I understood is their transformation transformed me. It was part of my transformation. And I'm telling you, I won't pick on you, but I could look at this, I could just go right down the row of all you guys and all you gals, and saying, you have, when you've been transferred by Jesus, it has impacted me. My transformation affects you, and your transformation affects me. This is how God works. Now, now, today we're going to talk about the people of the king are transformed transforming and transformers. I know you're thinking about the movie. That's not who you are. That is not God. It's just a bad movie. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that for all you Transformer fans. It is miraculous they've gone on so long. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Back to, the, back to the subject. This whole thing of transformation, it's this place where the word itself is really interesting. It's the metamorphosis where it's this place of, of, that's where the Greek word of transformation is. And it's used over and over. And it's interesting because the breakdown is change after being with. I thought this was quite biblical. Uh, good, good, good translation. Uh, and uh, changing form in keeping with inner reality. So when I say God transforms you, then all of a sudden, wow, where's David at? He's gone, right? He just, I mean, there's a spot of who I am, but the place of transformation is because sin has distorted me and my image of my image-bearing ability of God. The transformation is to, to bring me back to the way that God has originally designed, right? It's, it, it changes me, right? And it happens by being me being with Jesus. And we can look at Scripture after Scripture where we talk about this place of when we're with Jesus, it transforms us. And it talks about in, first, in 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, if anyone is Christ, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
What we can say, if we've, if we've committed your life to Jesus, you received his forgiveness, and you've yielded yourself to him and received his mercy, you're, you've been transformed. You're, it's, it's different now. You are now forgiven. You are now right with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. You are now part of God's family and connected to him, and you have the Holy Spirit, right? You have been transformed. But we also see in Scripture that we've been transformed, but we've also, we are always transforming. Paul puts it this way in Corinthians, says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have been transformed, and all the way through our life, we're experiencing greater degrees of transformation. But yet, what we also see in Scripture is we see a lot of uh, verses that talk about our part in the transformation and how we participate and yield to this. And one of the ones that I think is just great in Romans, it says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a spot in which we have to decide we, we yield ourselves, because we can actually yield ourselves to this, or we can also find ourselves in the places that we resist it. There's a place of participation that comes. But there's also a place we have to realize that we can resist the things that God is wanting to work in us and the transformation at this deep level. You know, the Pharisees, who, by the way, knew the Scripture inside and out, Jesus said some really strong things to them tied to this place of what he was after and what that was happening with them. And what he said to them, he said to them that, oh yeah, you are someone like a bowl who's filled with all kinds of crud and dirt and you polish the outside of the bowl. But inside, it's corrupted, right? Talked about them being whitewashed tombs. What he means by that is our pride is always raising us up and resisting this place of transformation. And the way it happens is that we start polishing ourselves up on the outside. And as we do this, it isolates us, hiding what's really in us. And pride causes us to do this, and it never gets access to. But God is a God who longs to go to the heart. You know, when Jesus would look at the Pharisees, he would just start weeping and say, I long to gather you in and care for you with all your need. Like a hen gathers his chick under the wing. That's how I feel about you. But you are not willing, right? So we can resist God's transforming work. So, with that in mind, I want to get to this, our scripture today. And it starts out with therefore, and as I often say, whenever you read therefore, it is there for a reason. Is that cheesy? The more cheesy you make it, the more you remember it. All right? 
So I'll say it again more cheesily. If you see therefore, it's therefore a reason. All right, now you'll remember it. Uh, and that means that it's saying, in light of what I have just said, this is what you, I want you to know. And so when we're looking at this, we, we just got through what we talked about last week, and it's talking about Jesus modeling and showing us how to live on earth as a human, who made himself, humbled himself as a human, did not grasp his rights or divinity, but he made himself a servant, put his interests above our own, listened to God, and was obedient, even to death on a cross, and saying, I want you to have that same attitude, Philippians. You're doing really good. I just want you to keep going that direction. And he's speaking about that. So therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. There's a lot in there. So I came up with a very complicated system, colorization. <laughs> and then I read that 17% uh, of all people are colorblind and 95% are men. So if you're a man, I'll try to give you the verses as we go along. Okay, and I just want to kind of go break this down and kind of talk about this place of transformation. First off is the beauty and the, the longing of what it means to be transformed. I think if we start with looking just in the purple at uh, verses 15 and 16, you know, that, you know, this place that we are blameless, innocent children without blemish. I mean, this place of, of taking these things that have been distorted and twisted and made straight and right and pure and moral. The places that were dark become light. This is what it is speaking of. To the place that we have confidence before God and our life reflects more and more the, the characteristics of Jesus in the middle of this twisted generation that we shine as lights of the world. I mean, that's... And then it goes on to say, Paul, Paul speaks about this place of at the end... Of time, it's interesting that he's thinking about how he's going to stand before God, not just as an I. It's like, how did I interact with you and was my labor in vain or not? And what I'll learn as God has transformed me is I didn't, that I've been pleasing to God. And so transformation is this spot that it, it, it takes you to a place that you understand your purpose and you can live out what really matters and counts in life for an eternity and in the process, you keep experiencing the goodness of being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And then, so we desire that. And so here's a foundational truth that I want to 
highlight above all else. I put this in red because that means you highlight above all else. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's what I want to say. Transformation can only happen by God's power. It can't happen by our power. We cannot transform ourselves. And here's what's interesting. It's his work to the point that he even gives us the desires to be transformed. <laughs> he gives us the desires to be obedient. And it helps us to be obedient. It's a process that is initiated and, and, and continued on because of Jesus. It's a work that he starts and he will continue to finish. In fact, if you look in uh, Philippians 1, 6, it says, I'm sure, I'm sure of this, as Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm sure of that. Isn't that a great feeling to understand that this is his work that he's doing? And, but what we see in and Paul also, as he's writing, he is instructing. And he's not saying you can transform yourself. But he is saying that you can yield to this transforming work that God is working in you. And there's things that you participate in that. Just as we saw the Pharisees says, no, I don't want transformation. I'm going to polish the outside, but I don't, I don't want, I'm not allowing you in. I'm not coming at you close to we can, we can We can resist that. Or we can yield to this place of transformation. And I love, in the blue, it kind of gives us some ideas of how this might take place. The first thing he talks about, because again, we're coming right off the place of Jesus being obedient to the Father, being humbling so he could hear what God was saying and doing it. And he's saying, we want you, I want you Philippians to be the same way. And he talks about, kind of this is what I love about Philippians, it's not saying you don't get this, they're saying you're, get, you're getting it. And I think this is really true for our church. You know, like I talked about last week of humility, I think our church gets a lot of that. And God's saying, I feel like God's saying to us, oh yeah, you just started, it can go much deeper, right? And I think this is the same way. I think they get this understanding of obedience. Because you've always, you have always obeyed. But he's saying, now, when I'm not around, now it's even more important that you really pay attention to listening to God and responding to the things that he asks you to do. This is how you yield to the transforming power of God. And it goes on to say that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's hard for us to understand what that means because we have such a negative term on fear in a negative way. But when we understand the God, which basically the way I put this is in all reverence, understanding you've been brought into God's kingdom and he has things for you to do and he's almighty and God, you know, and so God is the father, he's our friend. We sit on his lap as the father, but he's also the king who has glorious power. The best way to describe it like this, if Jesus showed up right now in his full glory, we would all be on our face shaking. <laughs> and he'd probably say, don't be afraid, <laughs> because he knows we would be. Because that is a right response to God's glory. And he's basically saying, take this seriously and revere God and respond to him. And then it goes on to say this, and this is so practical do all things without grumbling or disputing. Some versions say arguing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. You know, the, uh, 
Grumbling is interesting. Grumbling, another word, is murmuring. You don't use that very much. I've, I've murmured a lot in my life. You guys ever murmur? That's such a good word. It, like, describes it vocally. You know, you just, you just shove it down. You're just angry. You're displeased, but you just push it down. That's murmuring. That's grumbling. But this place of arguing, what that means, it's, it's, it's reasoning with, our, with self-driven motives of gaining other people to come and agree with what we don't like. And so when you begin saying, oh, my boss, then you start going, and you, you're wanting to say, man, your boss is worse than I thought. And it, I, oh, man, we, we go into this spot. You guys know that feeling? It's interesting here, because you could see this as a fruit of the Spirit of not grumbling and not complaining. That's a fruit of the Spirit probably, but I see this as proactive, like quit grumbling and complaining. You know why you grumble and complain? is because something's not going right. So when you murmur, you're basically just being tormented by the thing that's not going right and raising yourself up in pride and getting other people to come alongside you in this thing that you hate so much. And when you do that, you block the transforming power of God. But when you don't, it's, it's like the butterfly. It's not pretty inside that cocoon, but there's a transformation thing that starts happening. A metamorphosis. There's a transformation thing that starts happening that you can't get to if you're grumbling and complaining. And I love the last part. It talks about this holding fast to the word of life. That word is logos, this spot of, of divine God speaking. What God has spoken. We live as people of the king in that spot of no matter what circumstance they're sh- shouting at us, no what the enemy is shouting at us, we live according to the logos, the word. You know, uh, when it talks about in Psalms, I love in Psalms 1 when it talks about the word as in Scripture specifically and how God speaks to that. He says, you know, you know the, the person who, who takes that in and lives and holds fast to it is like a tree that's planted by a stream and its roots go in to, the, to all the nourishment and all the watering and it bears fruit and the leaves always stay green. Right? Transformation happens. But then it closes out with what I underlined there. As Paul's talking about his process and how God's doing this in him, and I want you to be in, do, have God do this in you, he's saying, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. As I watch your transformation, it brings joy, and I'm in, I, I'm, it's a part of me. And he goes on to say, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And then there's something beautiful about this place of celebrating and being a part of each other's transformation. You know, which means putting people's interests above their own. It means humbling yourself. It means coming into all parts of their life and and sharing in all parts of your life. But being a part of that, and, and I could look around this room, it's like the transformation that I've watched in your life wasn't a straight line. It was it was difficult at times, and it came with lots of some pain mixed in. 
but it was transforming. And I got to be a part of it. And it transformed me. So, understand this. You have been transformed. Just to think that God, if you know Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, He would love you to know Him. And so you can live in a place of freedom and forgiveness and grace and having God with you and being a part of one another. It's just, this is just, God's done this. You've been transformed. You've been brought into the kingdom. But understand that it just keeps going. I mean, this is the way it is. It just, God wants more transformation. Not on the outside, polishing up, but down to these places that we don't know what to do with on the inside. And as we allow that to happen, we also get to this place that we both end up, our lives begin transforming others by just being around them and speaking and loving and caring about them, both inside and outside the church. But especially among us as a body, we get to actually experience Him in each other's transformation. So what I want to do is I want to just close with picture our church moving closer to Jesus and experiencing the transforming power of God beyond what we have ever experienced before. And don't get me wrong. I have a lot of stories. I could pick on lots of you and say, remember that time? I'm, you're a different person than you were. You know? I could, I mean, I'd, I'd be a puddle up here, but I, I could tell you, I could, I could go down the line and, and tell you God has transformed you, and I get a big part of that. What if this could go to a next level as a church? What would that be like? Well, I think the, the part of just recognizing what God has done in us to start with, in reflection, living in that, living in a spot that we're very aware that without Jesus, I would not be able to function <laughs> in a way that has any resemblance to how I'm functioning because only because of what God has done in me. That I am not condemned by sin. That I am God's beloved child. That I am righteous in His sight. That I have an eternal future that God is for me. Who can be against me? I mean, just let's start going on. Living in the gratitude that God has transformed us. We're still in a world with lots of pain, right? But just recognizing the grace of God and living in gratitude for His salvation, for His mercy, and living in gratitude for what he's done. And this whole thing of just this place of transforming, just imagine in a place where we, we begin entering into each other's lives at different levels, where we allow people into places that bring us life, and we get to go into other people's lives and experience God through them in their joys, in their sorrows, 
and knowing that this isn't just about relationship, friendship. This is a transforming activity when we end up entering into one another's lives. Recognizing to greater and greater degrees that we truly are a part of each other, causing us to begin treating each other in ways we've never been able to before, understanding that when we put another person's interest above our own, it brings life to us and it brings life to them. You know, we're, we just realize, and then we have this kind of benefit is we become better people. <laughs> we, we gain mercy and compassion that we didn't have before. We know God in a way we couldn't have before. We live with the kingdom as our rule and reign and not our circumstances. That we build each other up because we know if we build each other up, we build up part of ourselves. And that we don't hide our sin and polish up our outside. That we understand that God gives us the grace to humble ourselves and allow God to come to the inside parts of us. And we just, we just learn to start living and holding to truth. I mean, it's just... Uh, I, I guess I could say this in lots of teachings, like, oh yeah, I, I really believe this is true for us, and I really do believe it, but this one I'm telling you, uh, God's talking to us a lot as a church of what's in our future. And this is part of it, a big part of it. A people of God who are, who are a part of one another in the way that Scripture talks about, with their love continuing to increase, and they begin actually becoming people that look more like Jesus, is what people are longing for. And we get to be the place that, as we're being transformed, we get to transform the world through just being ourselves and being grateful for what God has done because God is the one who transforms us.